gather into your place, Lord, and to to worship you, to look into your word, and to to know more of you, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell here amongst us, and Lord, that as we open up our hearts, Lord, that you would speak, and Lord, that you would show us who you are and more of yourself. Lord, that we, it's not because of us, it's not nothing we can do, but Lord, it's because of your eternal work of salvation working within our hearts that, Lord, we can come and just lay ourselves down before you. And Lord, I'm, I'm so blessed to know that I serve a God who desires the best for me. Lord, in that the hard times in life, the things that I go through are not because you don't love me, but it's because you do love me. It's because you want to draw me closer to you. And Lord, I'm just so thankful that that's the kind of God I serve. Not a God of vengeance, not a God of wrath, but a God who is merciful, loving, gracious, but at the same time, just. And Lord, I'm so thankful for that. And Lord, we just, we want to praise you this morning for you are worthy of all that we can give you in that way. I pray this in your name. Amen. This is the day, this is the day. Yeah. 
You know, sometimes we wonder, what will heaven be like? You guys can be seated. If we get to heaven and all we do is stand around the throne and worship God for millions of years, is that enough? We don't know exactly what heaven will look like. Heard a lot of different things. But this much I do know. If we truly desire Christ with everything that we are here on earth, when we get there, that will be enough. We won't want anything else. We won't desire all the things that we seek here on this earth, the fulfillment that we desire here on this earth. That won't be necessary because enough will be Christ. To be in his presence, to be wherever he's at. I think of a little boy. You ever watch a little boy follow his dad everywhere he goes? He's just like a god to him, you know. I mean, he'll just, whatever dad's doing, that's what he wants to do. Everybody but my boys. Um, but, uh, but they desire to be in the presence of their dad. Whatever he's interested in, whatever he's doing, they want that. That's exactly what I think that will be like for us. We will want to be involved in whatever Christ is doing. We will want to be in his presence doing what he is doing. And I cannot wait for that day. That will be enough. Nothing else. guy's name Kerry? Yeah, they're pretty hard to find. God carries you everywhere, Kerry. Huh? God carries, carries me everywhere? Okay. <laughs> there are? How many have you met?
So they were looking for my kind, but they were seeing all kinds of other ones. <laughs> so what is my kind? My account on Spotify, and they found, oh, I see, now the truth comes out. Wow. My boys are searching for my account on Spotify. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever the case was, even if my mom and dad didn't give me a first name that I necessarily liked that much, I got a nice last name. You don't know what my last name is? Here, can I give you a kit? If you come over, I'll give you a kiss. <laughs> All right. So you guys got a song you want to sing? Nothing. Okay, well, you can go sit down. Hmm. Shall I let them request the song? Shall I do that? He's still working on me. Which one? Jesus loves Jesus loves the little children or Jesus loves me? Okay. Me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Do you believe it? You don't believe it? Well, we're going to have to talk to your dad. He's got some training to do. Um, hmm. Which one? He's still working on me. I don't even know the. I don't even know if I know the beat to that one. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. He really ought to be a sign upon your heart. Don't judge me yet, there's an unfinished part. I'll be perfect just according to his plan, fashioned by the Master's loving hand. He's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars The sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars How loving and patient he must be He's still working on me You know, it's so fun to see Christy standing back there not knowing what to do, so we'll do another one. Um my God is so big. Do you guys know that one? All right. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are His. The rivers are His. The stars are His handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. You know that part? 
That's the best part. For you. Can you guys all do like a real bass note down like for you? You got that note? You don't? What? Some things don't need to be repeated. Hmm. Okay. Another one? What was another one we sang? What was another one that we sang? Where were we at that we were singing? Well, we were with Chad and Bethany, but what was that song we sang? I was like, well, i got to remember this. I know. I always should write these things down because... God's got the whole world. He's got, he's got the whole world in his hands. 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 He's got the little, little babies in his hands. He's got the tiny little babies. got the whole world in his hand. He's got the love. Huh? He's got the sun and the moon. He's got the what? Sun and moon. I can, you can put about anything in there. He's got, he's got the itty bitty boy. <laughs> He's got the sun and the moon in his hands. He's got the sun and the moon in his hands. He's got the sun and the moon in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got you and me, brother. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. Man, we're actually singing some different ones for once. Okay, one more. You see something delicious? Read your Bible. Okay. I do, I've sang that one before, but I am terrible at remembering it, and I always screw up the whole, oh no, I'm thinking of 12 Disciples. Um, it's been a long, long time. I do remember there's an old one that does it. I do remember there's one, it's been a long, long time since I've sang that though. If you can find a copy of it, send it to me, and I'll try to remember to learn it. Okay. Yeah, there. <laughs> uh, what's another one? You, oh, what'd you say? Read your Bible, pray every day. D again, I guess. Read your Bible, pray every day. Pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible.
And you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Read your Bible, forget to pray. And you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. So read, come on to me, come on to me, come on to me. Christ calling, come unto me, and will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Here Christ calling, come unto me, I will give you something back there Ty that was an interesting reverb mix um all right you guys can sit down up here I think Anthony has something to talk to you about there we are um I don't think my kids were that excited about me teaching a lesson today so hopefully the rest of you are <laughs> All right. How many of you know what the word favoritism means? Have you ever heard that word before? That means to have favorites. To have to treat one person better than the other. That's my favorite person. That's my favorite person to play with. So they're my favorite. The other people aren't. Is that a good attitude to have? I don't know about that. Well, let's see what the Bible says about that. And uh, I have an illustration to go with that. Now, I did a similar lesson 15 years ago and embarrassed Carrie. Where is he? So I won't use him for the lesson today. <laughs> you remember that, Carrie? About 15 years ago when I used you for an illustration at uh, church and had you come stand up and everybody in front of everybody alongside me. You don't remember that? You were wearing old jeans and I was dressed up in a nice suit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I won't pick on him today. So I have two other people that will help me. Um, Addie and Steve are going to help me, so go stand back there. All right, so the Bible says... In James chapter 2, he says, don't hold your faith in Jesus Christ with an attitude of favoritism. And it says, what if a man comes to your church? He's dressed up nice, has a gold ring on, has fine clothes. And a poor man comes in with old clothes. And you pay a special attention to the one who has fine clothes. And it would go a little bit like this. You see, you see those two people standing back there? Which one do you think is dressed nicer? Huh? Addie's dressed nicer? Well, what about, what about Steve, though? You know what? He's, he's a little old, don't you think? He's got gray hair. I think his shirt's a little wrinkly. Do you, do you, think, do you think we want him here today? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what we're going to do with him. Hmm. 
Well, you know what? I see we got two people in our church today. Steve, hey, I got a spot for you over here. Come, come sit over here. (laughs) I got a spot for you there. That's a good spot for you. Addie, I haven't seen you in a long time. It is so good to see you here at church today. Come on up here. We got a special spot for you. We're going to have lunch after church. Oh, man. I got a special guest here that I want to sit in this place. You think that was a nice way to treat them? No. Steve, come on up here, too. You're a good guy. Why do you think that wasn't nice? Yeah, I, was, I, I pretend that I was, I was embarrassed about Steve and didn't want people to see him. But you know what? Steve is, he is older. He's obviously older than Addie. But guess what? Now, I don't know this for sure, but I'll bet with, with Steve's age, I'll bet he knows the Bible better than what Addie does. I'll bet he does. He knows a lot of songs. He's, he, he knows a lot of things. You know what? It doesn't matter what you're wearing, what you look like, anything like that. That doesn't show what's on the inside of a person. That doesn't show how much they know. It doesn't show what kind of a person they are at all. Some people are poor. But you know what it, you know what it says in, in those Bible verses? It says you should actually treat the poor people better. Because sometimes rich people like Addie, they can be a little mean to you sometimes, (laughs) right? So, so how what what does that what how does that work for you kids? What what about when you're playing with your friends? How how does this lesson work for you for that? Is there sometimes kids you just rather not play with? For Sherry and Tiff, what do I, what what do we tell you to do at at school when when there's somebody that nobody else wants to play with? Right. You see somebody that nobody else wants to play with? Go play with them. Don't show don't be don't show favoritism. That's what favoritism is. And Jesus is not happy when you show favoritism. Okay, you think you can remember that when you're Playing with your friends, even with your brother and sister. Oh, I don't want to play with you. Let's not show favoritism, all right? Okay, you can go back to your seats as well. See you guys. Thanks for uh, helping me out. <laughs> all right, well, welcome. Welcome to our service today. We're going to do our best not to show favoritism to everybody. You're all invited to uh, stay and uh, Enjoy the lunch we have planned after the service. And uh, I left my bulletin back at the seat. Do you guys have a bulletin? Someone have a bulletin I can look at? Make sure there's no announcements that I'm uh, missing here. You have one, Dwayne? All right. Well, let me take both of these here. So, next Sunday evening, we have a gospel music night scheduled out 
outside here at 6 o'clock. It's going to be food. Bring your lawn chairs, bug spray. Hopefully that won't be too necessary. Um, invite everybody. It's going to be a fun night of music next Sunday evening, 6 o'clock. There are these pamphlets back there. Do we have extra ones back there on the table? You can take some and hand them out. And uh, also next Sunday morning, we are going to be having a farewell celebration for Jason and Heidi before they move to Michigan. And uh, sad to see them go, but uh, wish them God's blessing. And so we're going to have a little bit of a celebration for them as well. Keep that in mind. Keep our youth retreat in mind that's coming up in two weeks. It's coming right up. Um, I think I guilt-tripped most of the young guys into uh, signing up for that. So, uh, And the girls were way ahead of them, so that's all good. I'd even signed up. Good for you. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Feel free to continue to spread the word about that. There's more space available in that as well. Um, I don't think there's really any other announcements to make. I believe Phil's going to be sharing the word for us this morning. But before he does that, let's uh, bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you for this uh, time that you have given to us this morning to come together to hear your word, to fellowship together, and to worship you. And I pray that you would accept that worship from our hearts this morning and that you would speak to us and help us to be changed by what we hear this morning. I pray for our brother Phil as he preaches your word. I pray that he would do so with, with clarity and with power from your Holy Spirit. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you children do. Any volunteers to come up here and help me take the blocks out of here? Come on up. And just set them on the table. Okay, here, take them out of the box. We'll set this box down here. <laughs> when it comes to blocks, everybody is welcome.
Okay, very good. That's good. You can go back to your... It's okay. You guys can go back to your seats. Even Charlie wants to help. You may turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 127. There's been a, a word the Lord has been putting on my heart as we've been walking through the last six months of, uh, or maybe even more, of uh, life together as a church and, and getting to see the Lord working in each other's lives, and not just here locally, but in my uh, interaction with the saints in other cities in, and across the world. And the Lord has been putting this heart um, on my heart, His heart on my heart. When God does that, something happens. Has the Lord ever impressed His heart on your heart? Something happens. Something changes in your heart when the Lord does that. And that's what I'd like to share with you, that change that the Lord has been doing in my heart, and hopefully something's going to happen to your hearts. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors. You ever done that? Went to bed very late, maybe midnight, and then got up very early. You feel really well, really good and energetic the next morning? Just like, yeah! You know, like Psalm 19 says, you're like the sun when it comes up, and you're like a, a young man coming out of his chamber ready to run a race. No, that's not how you feel, right? Even if you drink a Red Bull and all kinds of energizer drinks and then five cups of coffee, it's still not how you're feeling. And you're just feeling frizzled. There's still something in your mind. You're not clear. You're a bit... Maybe you're overcharged at that point. But you're in pain. It's a painful labor. It is vain for you to rise up early to retire late to eat the bread of painful labors unless the first word of the chapter unless the Lord builds the house now if the Lord is building his house in you and through you none of this is vain and it's not painful because it's graceful, full of His grace. I don't know about you, dear brother, sister, child of God, but the Lord has many times, many times in my life, done a precious, beautiful, exciting work in my heart, and I slept not at all that night. Not at all. You ever experienced that? That's not in vain. Just this past couple months, 
when I traveled to Germany and Norway, I left here in the afternoon out of Denver, actually in, in an evening flight, flew nine hours, and I landed in Germany at 2 o'clock the next day, their time. Met with some sweet families there, and I was pretty tired because I didn't sleep on the plane very well at all on the flight over there. But as they, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and by the time we got back to the house, it was around 4 o'clock, and they prepared dinner for me, and, and we shared and shared together, and we ended up talking and praying together and reading the scripture together for about, I don't know, it was maybe 2 o'clock in the morning. I had to get up at 5 the next morning to catch a flight to Norway. That was not a painful labor. I remember laying down in bed at night, and of course my, my clock was messed up because my, the time change and the jet lag, it didn't matter. It wasn't in vain. I was so encouraged, I could hardly sleep. And the next morning they offered me coffee, and I said, I couldn't eat, I didn't even eat it. I just drank a little bit, but I said, sorry, I don't need the coffee. That is when your labor is not painful and it's not in vain. That's when the Lord builds the house. Unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain if you do this. For he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. The Lord can build his house, do his work in your mind and in your heart while you're sleeping. Has the Lord ever done that for you? Oftentimes, that is when the Holy Spirit speaks, as the word says, explicitly, very clearly. You know why? Because we're not so busy. We're finally settled down and the Holy Spirit can get our attention. Because there's no one else talking at you. Your phone's not ringing. Hopefully you've put your social media buzzer off. Silenced your phone. Or maybe even put it in the other room. And now the Lord has an opportunity. Oh, I, I often feel the excitement of the Holy Spirit saying, Yes, now it's my turn. Now I can talk. Will you listen? Will you let me build my character in your heart? Share my word, my secret with you? Psalm 25. Verse 14. The secret of the Lord is, not for everyone, for those who fear him. God has secrets he wants to share with you. Think about and remember Daniel. How many of you have read Daniel lately? The book of Daniel. Daniel was a young man, perhaps in his early 20s, in Jerusalem. And the king and the nation were evil, worshiping idols wholesale. 
The temple had been desecrated. It was awful. If you go back and read what Isaiah and others were telling us was happening in Jerusalem those days. I mean, there was so much bloodshed and violence. It was dangerous to walk the city streets at night. And in the daytime, the people, God's people, were taking their little children and offering them up to idols. Taking their babies and laying them into an idol's red-hot arms and sacrificing it to the God of Molech. That's what was going on in Jerusalem. But there were a couple of young men who were close to the king, who were godly. And God decided he's going to take these at least four men that we can read about, and he's going to allow King Nebuchadnezzar to capture the palace and take them out and take them to a faraway land, away from their families, away from everything they knew and grew up in, into the palace of a wicked king. Would you feel forsaken? Would you feel kind of picked on by God? God, what? I'm righteous. There's all kinds of this abominations going on in Israel. But I served you and you took me away to this ungodly place. But Daniel and his three friends, they had a secret. This secret, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. And they found out God's secrets, didn't they? And God revealed those secrets to Daniel and to those four men in such a way that it changed a whole nation and the world. It was amazing. And it's still changing people in lives today. The secret that God shared with Daniel are still written down for us. God is looking for those whom he can share his secrets in the night with. Are you one of those? God says, my turn. And when he speaks, you listen. He can wake you up and share his secrets with you. Continuing in that verse, and he will make them know his covenant. And so David says, my eyes are continually toward the Lord. My eyes are continually toward the Lord. So, what I would like to do with these blocks is to illustrate something to us today of what the Lord has been speaking to me that when the Lord builds his house, whether it's in our personal life or whether it's church life together, when the Lord builds people together as a church, local church family, he often takes a pile of blocks like this. And we come from all over the place in our journeys of life in our experiences of life, and the Lord begins to put us together. He begins to, to build.
you know, some walls. And he puts them together into a place where he can live. And we're going to just build a few walls. Now if you notice, the walls are a little bit outstanding at places. There, we'll just do that for now. There's plenty of these blocks around. Because the, the house is not really the point. The point is that when the Lord builds the house, who's doing it? When you look at a house that someone built and you admire the house, do you praise the house? Or do you praise the builder? You praise the builder, don't you? You admire the builder. You commend the builder because it's his house that he designed and he built. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You may turn your Bibles there with me. Here the Holy Spirit is telling the church at Corinth. He said in verse 9, Paul told the church at Corinth through the Holy Spirit, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So like I said, this is a two parallel story. Like God is doing his work in you, the truth, and you can take like each block is a truth that God speaks to you and you believe it. It's a word of truth that God shows you and you believe it enough to obey it. That becomes a building block 
in your life. A word of truth. There's another word that the scripture uses. We call it a conviction. It is something you live by. It's not just an idea or a story you heard or some, you know, something you read somewhere. No, it's very different than that. It's the Holy Spirit taking this written word of God and sharing it with you as a command. And you see it, you receive it, and you obey it. It comes a block, a word of truth in your heart. God's building his character, the truth of who Jesus was, he's now doing in you. For instance, is forgiveness just an idea that you've heard about to you? Or is it a truth of conviction that the Holy Spirit speaks to you personally? And you know, for you to have peace with God, you must obey that word. The person that you're wrestling with, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's your pastor or your previous pastor, somebody let you down or even hurt you or perhaps it seems even intentionally tried to destroy your life. Maybe they robbed you from something, said evil things about you. And you know, the Holy Spirit says, you must forgive them. And then, in the nights, when you lay your head upon your pillow, and it's quiet, you hear the words of Jesus in, John, in um, Matthew chapter 18 say these words to you. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? Should you not forgive your brother seven times? I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. You hear the Holy Spirit speak these words to you. Or maybe you hear the word saying in Matthew chapter 5. For if you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. You hear the Holy Spirit speak that word. And you open up your heart to Jesus and you say, yes, Lord, I forgive them. And immediately the Holy Spirit brings all of the mercy of forgiveness in your heart of things you may have thought about or spoken in secret or you're wrestling with God on and you know you're all forgiven. The secret of the Lord of forgiveness has become your conviction. And now that has become like a strength, a truth, a building block. And you become like Jesus that night a little more. While they crucify you, you can honestly say, 
Father, forgive them. And you forgive them. You can be like Stephen. That when he was being stoned, while he was being stoned, and they were biting him, it says they gnashed on him with their teeth. People came up and literally bit on him. And Stephen prayed to his father and said, Father, forgive them. And a young man who was in that crowd was forgiven that day. Now, not yet. But there was a day when the Lord, over, the Lord overlooked his sin because the Lord knew he was going to be an apostle who wrote those words that I just read to you. That young man was Saul, standing there saying, Yeah, stone that guy, kill him, to Stephen. But the Lord had a purpose for his life. Stephen's prayer became Saul, Paul's salvation. You see what God wants to do in your life? You see how the Lord wants to take and make truth building blocks? And it changes people's lives. Not only your life, other people's lives. Changes them. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that are building it. In your own personal life, we can struggle to forgive people for years. But unless the Lord does that work in your heart and your mind, you cannot release them. You'll go to bed late and you'll rise up early trying to prove your point. Trying to prove to maybe it's your dad that you wrestled with or you struggle with. Or your mother or some other person in your life that you feel disappointed with. But you can't do it unless you let the Lord build the house. And then, like Daniel, even though it may be life-changing and God will do things like taking Daniel and his Three friends out of the place where they felt like they were serving God and take them to a heathen king's palace and set all kinds of forbidden food in front of them. And the whole environment is ungodly. But the secret of the Lord is revealed to them. And it changes the heart of a king and the nation and the world. Because the Lord showed Daniel and his three friends his covenant. And to this day, it changes your and my life, doesn't it? Daniel's story. Even the children. What story do you know about Daniel? When someone tells you, do you know the story of Daniel in the Bible? What comes to your mind? The lion's den. Daniel being thrown into the lion's den because he was praying to his God. Treated most unfairly. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the other three friends? What comes to your mind? The fiery furnace. A lion's den being thrown to a lion to be eaten and the others thrown into the fire because they refused 
to bow down to an idol. Do you want to be that kind of a person? Where the secret of the Lord is with those who fear them. They found his secret and they experienced his promise, his covenant. But the Lord was building his house with them. And this is how God does it often. The Lord has been sharing with me that when he builds his house, we become a church on the move. You become a person whom God can move from Jerusalem to Babylon, and it doesn't discourage you. It doesn't rob you of your faith in God. In fact, it's in Babylon where you meet God. Like you never prayed before. We can't read that Daniel ever prayed and fasted like he did there with his three friends in Babylon. Because the king had said, they're all going to die. Unless they tell him not only the interpretation of the dream he had, but tell him the dream he had. This was craziness. No one had ever asked him that. That's what all his wise men said. No one has ever asked us to do anything like this, king. And they prayed. And they found the secret of God. And it opened a door of prayer and of a relationship with God that Daniel had for the rest of his life. And Daniel, as you read through the book of Daniel, began to prophesy and speak of things that you and I have not yet experienced. They're still coming. It's amazing what the Lord revealed to Daniel at that time. But Daniel had to be willing to be moved by God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, Jesus told us this is what the Holy Spirit is like. This is what he does. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. This is the first time that Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit. First time, as recorded to us in the Gospel of John. And Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus. And he said, truly, verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, water means you're born the first time, flesh, earth. You come from your mother's womb, and the water bursts, as the women say, my water broke, the baby's coming, right? And all the moms go, mm-hmm. <laughs> you must be born of water, you gotta be a person, a real living person. Salvation is not to a donkey or a dog or a pig, or no, a living person, a human soul. Water? And the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Just like you were born as a person the first time, you must be that dramatically born of the Spirit of God. It's just as life-changing as a little baby coming out of the tummy of its mom into a whole new world. It's that dramatic. It's that life-changing. Otherwise, you haven't even entered the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Water, flesh. 
And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And in that be born again, you know what happens to that little baby, right? They don't stay little babies, do they? We get, I don't know if you guys do this on your phone, you get these Google, um, it pops up on your phone what you were doing a year ago, what you were doing four years ago, what you were doing ten years ago, and your photos pop up, and we were, all of a sudden this week, Katie was like, look at, look at our little boys, four years ago, they were just little tykes, now Michael's about as tall as I am, and we were marveling at the change of growth that happened in just four years to them physically. Perhaps we need that kind of a Google spiritually. Jesus wants to be your Google spiritual reviewer, sometimes showing you who you were four years ago and what he's done in your life in the last four years, how he's changed you. And that's exactly what happened to Peter. Peter said, in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, We don't forget the things we've been redeemed from. I'll read it to you so that you can hear it from God himself. Therefore, 2 Peter chapter 1, I shall always be ready to remind you of these things even though you already know them and have been established in the truth that is present with you. Um, it's not really the word I wanted, but he's talking about making our calling and election sure and adding these things to our life. Yep, I can't find it right there, but you can... You can read about it. But Jesus was talking about being born of the Spirit. Then he says this in verse 8 of John chapter 3. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. You experience the effect of the wind. But who's ever seen the wind? Anybody? Can you tell me what the wind looks like? like Come on, Todd. What? Looks like we're scary, but... Okay. Yes. Yep. Thank you. Um, But Jesus said, listen to this, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and you don't know where it's going. That's the scariest thing about being a tornado spotter or chaser, right? A storm chaser, they call them. They have no idea where this storm is going. And it can turn at a moment or a second split notice and all of a sudden go in a complete opposite direction than everyone was expecting it to. Soul is everyone. Not just some people. Soul is everyone 
who is born of the Spirit. But wait. to you? That's happening to every one of us. Get used to it. It's life in the spirit. Now, if you're living after the flesh, you think you just are going to die right here. You think your whole life is falling apart, but what's actually happening is God is building your life. Only God is remodeling it first. The Lord ever had to do that with you? When we bought this house less than two years ago or so, we had we went in there and the first thing we did when we opened that door that Saturday morning and Anthony put a whole crew of you guys together and I don't know, there may have been 20 of us guys there and we came in with crowbars and sawzaws and sledgehammers and the boys, they couldn't wait because sometimes we like, like to watch these do-over, makeover shows, you know, and, and they see these guys, you know, taking the sledgehammer and boom into the, into the sheetrock. And the boy's like, give me the sledgehammer, Dad. I want to be the first one to knock a hole in there. And we made all kinds of dust and dirt and tore out a whole wall and carpets were being ripped up. And I bet that poor house was saying, ouch! What is, what is happening to me? If it could talk. This is what God is doing and will do with everyone who's born of the Spirit. You don't know where it's coming from and when it's going to come and you don't know where He's going with it. But the secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. Daniel, that's what happened to those four young men. A wicked, evil king came into their homes and tore them out and carried them captive into a far country. What do you think Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and the others were thinking as they were making that long trip to Babylon? Do you think they had any idea what was in store for them? Do you think that Daniel could have possibly thought he would be the third Highest ruler in the nation of Babylon for most of his life. I don't think he, I don't think that's what he's seen coming. But there's one thing he knew. He was going to seek his God. And let his God build his life. And his God did. Put the bricks back together. Other bricks. Dreams. Other men, wicked kings, the Lord began to build. And instead of the wall being where it was, perhaps the wall began to change. And the house for Daniel, instead of just being at Jerusalem, became a whole world. But things had to radically change. Walls had to be torn down. And his house of prayer and ministry became 
much, much different than what he had envisioned as a young man ministering to the king of Israel. Did he not? Are you willing to be led by the Spirit just like you were born of the Spirit? Let the Holy Spirit sometimes radically lead you in a way where you didn't see it coming and you had no idea where he's going. But there's one thing you will do. Like Daniel, you'll seek the face of your God with all your heart. And you'll find the secret of his promise that he shares with you in your heart. Be your strength. And as you speak out of that secret, you will begin to encourage people you never thought in the world you would minister to and encourage. Do you think Daniel's vision in his heart as he was there in the king, ministering to the king of Israel, that he would ever be able to speak to King Nebuchadnezzar, Israel's arch enemy? They hated that man. They feared him. They hated the Babylonians. He was their enemy. But while he was still Israel's enemy, Daniel was his counselor. Not afterward, during the same time. He was one of the first to go. And Nebuchadnezzar kept sending raids back and finally totally destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and carried most of them captive. Daniel had been there a long time already in the king's court who was doing this to his people. But Daniel was not afraid because Daniel knew he was exactly where his God had placed him. And he was doing his work in the courts of an evil, wicked king to his God. And so when he was thrown in the lion's den, it was no big deal to Daniel. You see, that is a big deal in our mind, but it's not a big deal to you if you go through the initial experience of being born of the Spirit and being led by the Spirit God can radically change your life and you're not only okay with it, you're busy there. You throw your heart into it. You say, this is what God is doing. I will be changed up and throw your heart into after where God places you. Oh, dear brother, sister, dear child of God, this is revolutionary. And this is what each one of us must understand to Keep from fighting against God. Otherwise, we will, even though we may be born of the Spirit, unless we allow the Holy Spirit to control us, Galatians chapter 5 says, those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit. You must be led by the Spirit to walk in that sonship that Jesus walked in all the days of his life. He showed us how to do it. And even though I believe that Jesus knew exactly what his end was, he didn't know how he was going to get to his end. He had to become a man like the rest of us. And the one man thing that Jesus had to become just like us in is he had to live by faith. Just like you and I. He could not see into the next day and know exactly what was going to happen. 
Or maybe you have times that like Daniel, the Holy Spirit revealed to him, he's seen Nathaniel under the tree. But Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. That means he lived by faith just like you and me. And so he was led by the Spirit each day, trusting his Father and opening up his heart to his will and doing his will. When the big change-up came or the little change-ups, this can happen in the smallest ways in our life. Proverbs 16 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And if you and I live each day, there's no event or change-up of event that can disturb our peace with God. In fact, we'll open up and we'll get excited and we'll say, Lord, what are you doing now? I want to live in your will. This is exciting. I, this isn't what I had planned, but I wonder what God's up to. And you open up your ears and your heart to the Lord, and you'll follow him. He'll perform his will. And at the end of the day, you can say, Wow, Lord, this was a good day. I have, you put your whole heart into obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is what Colossians chapter 3 means when he says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Seek those things which are above and your life will be hid with Christ in God. And then when Christ appears, we will appear with him in glory. It's an everyday life experience. And this is what God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to do in our life personally, but also as a church. So when the Lord shakes things up and... Oh, sorry, Charlie. There you go. Just like that, you become a Charlie. You run and hide underneath the chair. Because God is blowing all your blocks down. And you come out. And you open up your heart like Daniel and his four friends. Like Jesus lived. And you begin to live by faith every day. That's what it means. The just shall live not by his money, not by his wits, not by his wisdom, not by his foreknowledge. By faith. That's it. Only by faith. Then you will get excited when God cleans your table or takes you into the faraway land or takes Jason and Heidi from us well does that discourage you or does that excite you it should excite us when the Lord moves people around read through the book of Acts and see how the Holy Spirit moved his people around Peter and John began as a team. You see it right from the day of Pentecost. They were a team. Well, they were first cousins. And so the Lord knit their hearts together every day. Peter and John went to the temple preaching, preaching. They were arrested, thrown in the prison, brought before the Sanhedrin, were beaten. They rejoiced. They came back to the church. They were the prominent leaders in the church. Peter and John. I mean, they healed people and you know, the lame man got up and started glorifying God because he was healed. And 
but read down through it, and very soon you'll notice other people enter the picture, and Peter and John go separate ways. John remains at Jerusalem, and James is killed, and Peter is led off. Philip is led to Samaria, so, so Peter is led off over there, and, and then Peter is down to Joppa, and then Peter is taking the gospel over to Cornelius' house, and you see the Lord moving. And other people are born again and converted. And the young man Saul is born again. And the Lord knits his heart with a few people in Antioch. And, and Silas and Barnabas, not Silas, Barnabas, it begins to knit their hearts. And God begins to kind of build his story around Paul and Barnabas. And next thing you know, Paul and Barnabas had a little bit of a fight. And they go separate ways. Barnabas does his work as unto Jesus Paul does, takes other young men, Timothy, Titus, Silas with him. It's not about the players. There's only one hero in our story. His name is Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. This is his house. And he moves as he wills by the Holy Spirit people to go where he wants them to go. And the only way you and I will accept it is if we live and are led by the Spirit. It will be an exciting life, just like they lived. You and I get to live. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. But if you and I don't live like that, we're going to panic. We're going to stay up late. We're going to rise up early trying to pick up the pieces. And we're going to be so busy, you know, this is what we're going to be busy doing with the rest of our life. Just picking up the pieces. And the wind just keeps blowing them down. We're just picking them up. And we're just trying to put them together. And the wind is just blowing. And we're, we're just hanging on. Are you hanging on? Are you just trying to hang on? Keep it all together? Or are you being led by the Spirit? If you're just trying to hang on, you'll be wore out in a hurry. Discouraged in your spirit. Because you will believe God is against you. And all of this is the devil. And you'll walk around saying, the devil is trying to destroy us, but we're going to pray and we're going to do it and we're by God's grace, we're going to hang on. But you'll be fighting against God and won't even know it. Because this is God. Don't give the devil the credit. When God upsets your life and changes up your whole story as you thought it was going to be, be like Daniel, be like Jesus, be like Daniel and seek the face of your God and find the secret of his promise and the Holy Spirit will lead you to be an effective ambassador of heaven in a wicked world. That is turning upside down every day. But you'll see it as an act of God. So that the just can live by his faith.
faith. sure I don't trip over the wreckage of Phil's life here. <laughs> I'll climb down there with Charlie. Yeah. Thank you for sharing the word, Phil. You know, I, I agree sometimes, many times, I think it's far too easy for us to give the devil way too much credit in our lives, way too much credit. And something God has really been teaching me, especially over the last year or two and, and previous to that as well, is just the sovereignty of God and how he has all things in his control. And there is certainly an aspect of that that we don't understand. I believe it, it that can bring comfort to us knowing that and understanding that God is in control and his plans will not be thwarted. Um, but there are so many things in in our flesh that we don't we don't see the big picture. We don't understand why God does what he does. But take comfort in the fact that that he is sovereign. And he does see the big picture. There are many things in my life, things I'm experiencing now that I just simply don't understand. But yet, I believe that God does. And doesn't necessarily make it easy, but there is comfort in knowing that God is in control. And it's not just simply the devil's out to get you. God is so much bigger than that. Thank you, Phil, for sharing the word. Once again, lunch will be ready shortly. So uh, let's stand and we'll have a closing prayer. And you can be dismissed and we'll have our lunch. Thank you, Father, for this time here together this morning. I thank you that uh, you are in control that your sovereignty cannot be questioned because it, it is. It's just simply there and it will always remain. And I thank you that we can depend on that. I pray that you would go with us this week and give us a deeper faith and strength to trust in you for what you are doing in our lives. I pray that you would bless our time of fellowship and this food that has been provided. Pray that the strength that we receive would be used to honor and glorify your name. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.